0: you. Stefan. It has been a while. But so it's, it's uh, we're back, we're back. Yeah, we're back, and we're it. in the studio. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to be here. Always. Uh, and today we have a guest with us. Wow. Well, not I'm that surprising. About that I mean, we, we, we have guests quite often. Mm-hmm. But uh, but not this guest.
1: No, he has never been a guest before. No. Have you, sir? No, I have not. Would you like to introduce yourself? Should I write my name on the wall? Well, <laughs> well I... Okay, but...
0: but You'll have to wash it off. (laughs) I don't know if Jeff's going to be okay with that. You're listening to the Can't Sell This podcast, dedicated to projects past that never saw the light of day, with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart.
1: Where'd you get the Sharpie? (laughs) (laughs) All
2: right, introduce yourself, sir. Uh, My name is John Rooney. Okay. And I am here as a guest on your show to talk about... I guess, pitchings and pitches and pitchings. things that I sell. Pitchings. pitchings. And pitchings. pitchings. Okay.
0: John, we actually met before I was in Toronto, wasn't yes, it? Yes,
2: when you were in Ottawa.
0: Yeah, through the animation festival. Yes. And at the time, I believe you you were working at YTV?
2: Uh, yeah, or Chorus. Or as Chorus, a, right. Right. As, a, as something that grows and gets bought and bought and bought. So mm-hmm. the time I met you, it was called Chorus. But they had owned uh, several stations at the time and they were, they owned YTV and Treehouse. And I believe we had just launched Nickelodeon. In Canada. Yeah. yeah. And I was a director of programming for all of them. So that's a pretty big deal. It was. It was lots of fun. I watched cartoons for a living.
0: <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> so we got to know each other because of the animation festival. And then I think at some point I was working on some stuff for, I believe it was already Teletoon at that point.
2: Well, yeah, I think you were at Secret Location. Yeah. And then when I had left Chorus to work for Teletoon, which ironically Chorus owns 50% of, <laughs> so you're kind of like leaving your family to live with your cousins that live across the <laughs> pond for a year. Um, uh, and worked there for two years as director of programming, and then um, then left to be out on my own as a consultant. Yes. I've been doing that. Yeah, And so you, we met again when I was probably in the... Consultant face. Right,
0: right. So when he and I started the show, um, one of the people that I, I thought of as having on as a guest was you because of your background in programming, going all the way back to that first meeting in Ottawa where you were looking for content. Yeah. Uh, that to me was like, okay, John's probably got some good stories about pitches that just didn't go well and probably has some good advice for people that are looking to, you know, sell or promote their ideas. Yeah.
2: Um. <laughs> yeah, I would, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, I have stories. The judging of whether they're good or not will remain to the audience, obviously. Wow. <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, but I have, throughout my years of doing this, I've come across things where when people ask, so, how do I pitch? What do I need to use in a pitch? What do I do in a pitch? I've come up with things sort of like what not to do when pitching.
1: What not um, to do is almost as useful as what to do. And what to do. and Because
2: I can't really, when someone says, well, what do, what do they like? What, what do these people want? And what do they want to see? It's mm-hmm. like, well, I can't tell you because we literally pitched something that was written on a napkin. Right. And it was such a good idea that we said, yeah, that's fine. We're going to pick that up. So, you know, <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. And and it was a show that aired on YTV for at least three or four years was in our top ten. It was called Mr. Young. Okay. Um, that our, at the time, our, our director of development and our vice president took this pitch and was like, literally, it was on a napkin. At least that's the story that I've heard.
1: Hmm.
2: Obviously, they probably had to do follow-up with actual paperwork. <laughs> and a script. <laughs> and a script. Yeah. And, you know, and the things that you need talent. to do. But it sort of came off of that's how it sort of worked. But there's always those things where people try to do that never, ever, ever really work out, and that's kind of what I sort of want to touch on. Um, Because I find in schools, you're taught things. They always say, you have to take advantage of every moment, every opportunity. Mm. And I'm here to say, no. (laughs) (laughs) You can chill. You can just chill. (laughs) You can have a conversation. It's probably better that way. Yeah. The the aggressiveness is not something that really works on everyone. So,
0: yeah, I find the idea of taking advantage of an opportunity doesn't necessarily mean be aggressive and get in people's faces. It just means when an opportunity comes by, go for it. Yeah, right. But in the most
1: well, it must it must have to do more with uh, being capable of reading the Mm -hmm. person you're talking to as well, because you can tell if someone's receptive to a conversation right. about work versus yeah. hey, do you just want to grab a coffee and chat?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
1: know? So I don't know. It's like today I mentioned a thing I'm working on and, and the, the person I was talking with just started selling themselves at me and I and I stopped her and said, You're not trying to be involved in this, are you? Like <laughs> I'm just letting you know this is happening. And you know what I mean? It was a little off putting. You know? yeah. yeah. And I just kind of went, I don't want to have this conversation. Yeah. you
0: know i feel like students aren't being taught pitching skills they're being told that the pitch is important but then there's no really follow through or or at the very least the type of lessons that they're getting have a lot more to do with prototyping and a lot less about okay well now you're in front of this person mm-hmm. that could potentially be an investor or is a you know a broadcaster how do you pitch them yeah. your know, idea Right? And I always say about a story, don't sell it like you would tell it. Right. right. Uh, like Sixth Sense. And I'm sorry for anyone out there who hasn't seen Sixth Sense, but oh, I think there's a point... moratorium on spoilers at this point. But yeah. you don't pitch Sixth Sense by going through the whole story and then saying, and then you find out that Bruce Willis was a ghost all along. Like you literally start with Sixth Sense is a ghost story from the point of the view of a ghost who doesn't know he's dead. You right. Know? That's, because that is the hook, that's what's interesting, and that's what's going to sell your, your idea. And if it was anyway. before the movie came out, it'd be like, Go on, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: never heard of that before. Yeah, it, it, it's all about choosing a space. So, one of my only good stories, um, let's say only, but um, is that at a conference, you know, don't pitch me in the bathroom, oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just yeah, oh, okay. I, I can um, I can agree to this. Now on a
2: personal level, I you know I have this golden rule that no talking should occur in the bathroom, <laughs> and I have been with friends where we have been having a conversation. As soon as the door opens, we just dead stop. Yeah. and then wait and converse afterwards. Yeah. people, it you freaks me. Out. You yeah. can hit pause. you can hit pause
1: on conversations in the. bathroom. So
2: obviously, this person was like, "Hey, you're, you know, you work at YTV," and
1: I was like, "Yes, I'm like, stop talking to me now." <laughs> And he was now, like, I've not one second. I'm going to be <laughs> urinating and I need to not know you're aware of it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. just let me just, do my thing. You know, It's like, well, I've got this show
2: and I'm like well, wondering if there's time I can talk to you about it. And I'm like, well, not, not here. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kinda like, Do I you know, I don't want to be rude, but at the same time I'm like, dude, seriously, like no. There has to be whatever. a
1: there has to be a point where you can you can just say this isn't the time.
2: Yeah. Um I was a little green, so I think I kind of was like, um, okay, um, we'll talk later outside, we'll check my schedule or something. So I did sort of deflect it. Oh,
1: good but
2: but I wasn't sort of it wasn't that sort of like, you know, this is the wrong time or mm. whatever. Far more diplomatic than um, you would have been. And, and then the thing is, and this is where it comes back to the schools, is the schools always say if you see someone at a party, you have to make every opportunity to go and introduce yourself and mm-hmm. get to them there. And it's like that stuff does work, but when it does work, it's more of a casual, it really is a casual sort of, you know, if you see them alone or something, go up and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, big fan or whatever, I know you work for here, I have an idea, let's exchange cards. And then you follow up that way. You don't start in on, I have this great show you have to watch, it's about this, blah, 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 and you sort of cornered the person and right. really was yeah. just, might be on their own or during their own time because that's what people sometimes do at parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they're interested, they'll have a conversation or cavil conversation back. So it's just like any other sort of social right. environment. Right. Sandra Bernhard was on, what's the one, Seth Meyers? The other night, and she was going, how she got her latest role in Pose, she was just saying she was going down the escalator and... And was talking with the producer of Pose, and basically just sort of said, "Hey, if there's anything for me, let me know." But let it left it at that. Right. It was never a sort of why I should be in this show or whatever. And it was a just a chance encounter, and that's the way it should sort of go, and let them sort of follow up and be that yeah, way rather sure. than
1: I mean being aggressive. In in defense of that side of it, she's already she's famous, so it's easier for someone who's famous with talent to say, yeah. "Hey, if yeah. there's something for me, I mean that's yeah. you know." Like, she could say that to nearly anyone. Yeah. And as long as they're a fan of hers, they would find something for her to do. Yeah. You know? um,
2: but in the case of you weren't Sandra Bernhardt, but saw someone, it would be, hey, you're so-and-so, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. a big fan, I'm in the industry, maybe we could get
1: together or something. And just, oh, I like, think that's start. great. I think that's that's fantastic advice, actually.
0: Yeah, I would even go one step further and say that the best connections that I've been able to make have been where you meet someone and may not even recognize who they are because I only know them by name or by work or by reputation and then you know, meeting at some conference party and hanging out with this person, don't know who he is and then the next night figuring out that they are one of my favorite motionographers Mm -hmm. and being like, oh my god, that guy does amazing work, that's so cool that we hung out all night and chatted and had drinks and had a good time now I have this connection with this person that has yeah. nothing to do with work
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so the party situation is being able to have a normal social conversation with someone and and like you said end it with like yeah i'd love to talk up. to you yeah let's follow, follow up, up later professionally later, later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because think about any job interview you've ever had if the people already like you on paper and they ask you to come in for an interview it's it's to see if you're a good fit like socially and if you're not like a a a, a Giant bumbling weirdo. <laughs> yes, thank you. You really dragged like, that one out. What is, what is the uh, diplomatic the, way that I can say giant this? Giant bumbling weirdo. How do I say a, that in a nicer way? <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like it's, this, it's the same in reverse. You know, you meet someone, they're like, okay, this isn't just some horrible idea that I'm going to have to somehow say no to. For we sure. We had some jokes. Sure. So, yeah. 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 It's like a vetting process.
2: Um, the other yeah. thing I always say to people is, so you've got your interview, you're, you're going in to pitch, you're meeting with them, um, do a bit of research beforehand, know who your audience is. Just because you have an animated show, just because you have what you think is a kid's show, it's not necessarily what they perceive as a kid's show. When I worked at YTV, we were known as big on anime in Canada, because we had sort of brought Pokemon in and sort of built that whole culture across the country. But that meant that anyone who produced anime thought we would air anime. Right. So I remember showing up to my desk with a giant big box from a company saying, take a look at our screeners and see what you like. And yes, it was anime. It happened to be pornography. Ah. <laughs> Jeez. But then um, now it's like, well, this is So this they were the gross. 2 a.m. to 4 a.m.? <laughs> <What>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except I think we're one feed, so it would have crossed around. They're all know. blue weed. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of like... No. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so kind of like, you've just, work. yeah, this is shipping and handling. And I was like, did you just sort of think that because one company does this, this is what it is? You should wow. just sort of look at the thing. I mean, that's an extreme example, but there are things like that where if you haven't researched what the channel is doing now or what the content company is doing recently, you may have in your head what it used to do.
1: Right, and you're
2: kind of like, yeah, I remember MTV or Much Music. You the VJs they show the music videos. And it's like, yeah, Much Music hasn't shown videos in like ten years now. So, right, do a bit of research and do a bit of research on who you're talking to, and who's going to be in the room with you, so you know exactly what they are and what they're capable of. There's always the chance that you're not talking to the person who actually greenlights. You're talking to the person who's going to. Pitch up to the person who greenlights. So, you want to make sure that you make those contacts and make those friends and don't dismiss people who are not the gatekeepers. Right. We've had that happen a lot in the past where I've gone when I was like first starting out meeting people and they're like, Well, I wanted to actually speak to so and so. And I'm like, Well, so and so is not here and you've got me.
1: <laughs> tell me <laughs> what you would like to do. Like, are can you tell sure you this whatever is the route you want to take. And I can go. Like, are you sure you want to be rude to me? So, <laughs> I, so, I can let them know you're rude to me. Yeah.
2: And that's the other thing. I've been in the room with my bosses at the time or whatever, and people come in and you see them just pitch directly to the boss and not to the people who are there. Who
1: who would be the audience, essentially, who, yeah, for the meeting, right?
2: Who, who also may have some sort of influence on that because, you know, everyone at every position is, is busy with their thing. Right. And, you know, you know, my job could be I'm the one that knows what the trends are out there, but my boss knows story and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're saying this is the hottest thing in and I haven't heard of it, you know, I'm going to go report that sort of back after the meeting. So you got to make sure that I that everyone in the room is in part of that conversation, right? Or and then don't just assume that based on stereotypes that if I'm talking, to, I'm going to talk to this person because this person seems more authoritative, or they're or they're giving me back feedback, but it's the other person that's actually the the gatekeeper. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you have the whole audience engaged, and you're focusing on both
1: of them. Mm-hmm. As yeah. you look back and forth, yeah. Stefan and I. Sure. I get both of you. Well, well it's it's easiest thing. I was going to say, like Hugh,
0: uh, we've we talked about this before, maybe not on the show, but we've talked about how with digital media, there's the added complexity of some of the people in the room might be the, the technical expert, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the key executive that's in the room, who you feel, as when you're pitching to them, is the one who makes the final decision, they rely on the technical people to ask the right technical questions. Right. And it happens so often where uh, in a pitch, uh, someone will not understand the technical side of what they're pitching because someone else, they're just a salesperson. The team came up with the actual pitch document that has the creative and the tech and everything. And the problem there is that if you're only pitching to an executive or another salesperson being dismissive of the technical side, they'll just report, they didn't answer my questions. Or, worst case scenario, if you try to fake it, thinking these guys won't know what I'm saying, but there is a guy in that room who definitely knows, and now he thinks you're full of shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so... May I ask now, as a consultant, are you do, you do you help guide programming for various channels, or as a consultant, what what is your role now? It
2: can be anything. Um, I'm, I've pitched myself as a jack of all trades consultant. Okay. One of the things in my career is I've touched on so many different areas, that there are smaller projects that I can do that wouldn't necessarily been part of my purview when I was working. Okay. So as a programmer, not only are people pitching to you, you then have to pitch to everyone else. Right. So if we agree that, yes, this is the show that we want to buy or create or whatever, um, then I have to sell that to both sales and marketing, anyone, really, to sort of get them on board that this is such a great show. Uh, so I'm effectively taking our pitch and pitching to them and saying, why? This is something we should get involved in and do. And they then can come back with their own series of questions. Um, sometimes now th- those people are in the room when maybe not you initially pitched, but maybe you'll have to come back, which is great because it's great for them to sort of get involved and sort of see and bring their expertise to it because they have feelers outside hmm. in the marketplace that you're not aware of. Right. But if, in effect, that's what I had to do. I had to sort of say, yes, we're airing this here and this is why we're airing it here and it's going to do this and fingers crossed and all that sort of thing.
1: And do you find that, that thanks to your uh, extensive experience before being a consultant, that you have s- tentacles within the industry that help to guide decisions for yourself?
2: Um, yes and no. Um, a consultant, one of, uh, it's great to be a consultant, but, att- but essentially you're also not an employee. Yeah. So uh, your stakes within it is that you do want it to succeed, but you're not tangentially tied to it. So you really are just giving advice. Uh, good, thoughtful advice <laughs> that is well worth the money you're paying your consultant. But at the same point, you know, they can do whatever they want with that sort of advice that right. they're paying for. So um, I it, I get to see a lot more things sort of evolve and see how it goes from start to finish. So I have developed a couple of projects with studios, okay. with other writers and creators. So now it's just waiting to see that next evolution that I may or may not be part of. I see. Which is interesting, so it's nice to sort of see that. But then I've done tons of research for another studio, which was like what's happening in the world today because they want to get into the kids' business. Um, so they've been successful in like reality and whatever, and they just want to expand their portfolio. So mm. I brought it and sort of say, well, this is sort of what's happening now. This is areas that you could possibly fill in and then sort of work on that sort of that way.
1: Cool. One Very of my cool. first
2: consulting gigs, it was the funniest thing, was with... Um, uh, family channel it just bought by DHX and I was like, oh great, I've worked with all the major kids' brands now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to
0: go from here. <laughs> I have to say, John brought notes. Ron, John, no, can you, you
1: remember? The first Is person, he the first? Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody else has brought notes. I know.
0: I was yeah. like, this is
2: going to be super but, weird.
1: But, you know, in, in fairness, Nick did make sourdough bread based off of a spreadsheet. So. He did. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't do that. No. Well, that's okay. You Sorry. could consult on... The- I could consult on the making of <laughs> The sourdough bread was ridiculously good, too. Well, that's, so. I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, I missed that
2: one. <laughs> um, yes. <clears throat> I'd like to give some advice to the... Uh, pitchies podcasters in the room no (laughs) you guys are doing fine i like this whole conversational thing i've listened to several of your podcasts it's oh that's
1: great it's good to hear Um, so yeah sorry you have some advice for some pitchies for the pitchers pitchies not pitchers the people accepting pitches. people accepting pitches
2: um respect goes two ways and you need to respect the person who's pitching to you i i will not mention names but when you try to arrange a meeting in January and then you keep canceling and canceling and canceling and canceling until finally you get it in May, which did happen to me,
1: oh, wow!
2: Um, it's kind of like, why do I even want to bother? Why would <laughs> I talk to you at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I get that you're busy and things happen, but that's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so you got to think that, you know, my time is just as valuable as their time. Yeah. Even when I've been green growing up, that was sort of thing depending on who we were with. The amount of time people were checking phones while during things and stuff like that. And I know it's a bad habit we all get into, but you need to respect that this person who is new and is young and is is trying to break the way. You need to give them all the full attention that you would give someone who is more seasoned that, you know, is high up in in the ranks as well.
1: Yeah. And you don't know when the next great idea is going to come. Exactly.
2: And you're out of a chance. Right. And your attitude towards that person could make them think I don't really want to do anything with you. And then if it becomes a hit, and you're now you're chasing after them, and they're like, I remember how you treated me. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so would you say that your role has been more diplomatic in nature than the standard executive type person who's just like whatever? Like, cause you you've had to you've had to accept pitches from people, and you've had to solicit pitches.
2: Yeah, I've been on both sides, and I've been on both sides even when I was an executive. Like I said, you had to pitch internally, yeah. and they can be sometimes the harshest critics because, you know, that respect goes two ways, but you work within the same company and you know these people, you know, they could be a bit more blunt
1: about right. <laughs> certain <Right>. things <laughs>
2: than you would want to be. But uh, yeah, it's just everyone deserves the same sort of respect, so you have to make sure that you're listening, and even if you know this idea is going to work, you have to think about how you want to convey to mm-hmm. them that, it's, that they need to work on it or it's not going to work and think about another way. Yeah. Um, and try to do it in the, I don't have to say try to do it in the nicest way as possible, but try to do it in the most constructive way possible. So that way they're not feeling, you know, dejected in a way. They're going to feel dejected. Everyone's going to feel dejected. But
1: uh, Have you ever had a situation in which someone has pitched what could be a great idea, but they just, their pitch was so awful that you came out after and, and like sort of followed up and said, hey, by the way, I really love the idea, but we need to, you need to help this part of it
2: not personally no that one i haven't really had happen with generally if the pitch is really good the next step in conversation is well do we think this person can or this company can carry off the carry idea about, that they're yeah. there that they're pursuing and then we will still talk to them about What's going on? So it takes a couple of stages after okay. that. It wouldn't just be an immediate thing like, "Hey, I loved your pitch, but you were you were awful."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I just mean like the way you framed the pitch or whatever. Yeah. It's like we love your idea, but man, we need to help you on your pitch. Like, no, we
2: would. Sh- I think you would just that go feedback to would step. come back internally and say, you know, we really like this. I think we right. should take a risk on it, but these people are going to be we're going to have to work with these people harder than we would with someone else. Right. Okay. So,
1: that's interesting. And
2: when it would It would never be sort of that kind of way.
1: Providing advice. Yeah. How,
0: how much do you think, um, as someone who's putting a pitch together, do they need to, to include? Like you said earlier, um, when you get a pitch that you think is is a, a, a good one, and you want to you want to move it forward, you need to pitch it to marketing mm-hmm. and website and all these other internal departments. Mm-hmm. How much do you think? It helps for um, the people putting together their pitch to think about that step before they even pitch to you?
2: Um, It's important because it's certainly going to be a question that I will ask. Um, I mean most people in the content industry who you first pitch to are going to be interested in the content and the first thing we're going to think about in our brains is, A, is this good? B does it work for us and see what's how what happens in the next season, because if someone's pitching to you a show and it's kind of like a one, I mean we mentioned this earlier, sorry in our free conversation. No, that's <laughs> that's fine. Um, I
1: rolled up my motorcycle and you guys were up. There is. Um,
2: <laughs> I always think like, is does this go beyond a Saturday Night Live sketch? So is your premise good enough for like a fun sketch, but how does this go to be? 13 episodes or even yeah. a second season, because those are things that, you know, you kind of need to sort of think about. Right. Now, with a, a situation comedy or whatever, it's less so, because if it's all about the, the funny gags and the writing and, and, and the visuals and stuff like that, chances are you just need to make sure you have enough premises that work. Um, but if you're talking about from a genre perspective or from a drama perspective or live action, it's like, so where do these characters go and how do they grow? Right. Um, so, and then from a sales, sales marketing sort of perspective, it's, it's good for you to think about that, but I wouldn't rely on you coming in with that knowledge. I wouldn't expect anyone to come in with that knowledge because we, it's, it's such a thing that uh, people don't really know about, uh, in a way. I, but it'd be great if you knew a bit about the web and what we can do to Be have longevity and stuff like that, that. Um, especially in the kids side. It's a dirty word, but we always think about L and M licensing and marketing.
1: Okay.
2: So, because kids programming, you know, you could sell it around the world, but at some point we need to think beyond that uh, in order for longevity to keep it going. So we kind of want to think: is there something in there that can be marketable that way? It's not something you have to come and place in front of me. In fact, if you place in front of me, here are all the different toys. Before you get to the content and script part, I'm really less interested. Right. Because this could be cool, but I want to know what the yeah, story right, is. Right. So, I mean, it's great you've thought about it, and it certainly will make our lives a little easier. But um, it's not something I expect.
0: Is there, there is right. there such thing as a pitch with too much detail? Like not yes. just in okay. I,
2: I worry about pitches with too much detail because I worry about flexibility if we decide oh. to change something, hmm. yeah. or if we need to change something because it's just not going to work. Right. So if you're very rigid to your story of and then in episode 276 in season seven, you know, it's just like, well, you know, is is there room for flexibility? Now there are, I tell people, if this is so meaningful to you that you can't have this cut and this has to happen, then you go with that. Um, but you're going to need to be flexible on some other things that maybe just won't happen. Right. Or you may need to cut ties to that person because they're not listening to your vision. Right. But... I mean, you're the creator. You're the ones who breathe life into these stories. So make sure that you, your vision is being shown and seen. Um, but uh, you gotta have to room for a little bit of flexibility here and there. Mm-hmm. So generally, when we when we used to get pitches, it used to be, you know, a one page that lists, explains what the story is and who the characters are and then some premises, and that generally usually is enough. I don't think people expect to see a script right off the bat, um, but at least they want to see within those things that you've got a knack for writing, and it's an interesting story and in characters. Hmm. I always think less is more. Keep them wanting more.
1: Yeah. Well, that's neat. No, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm just thinking about, like, of all the episodes we've done where we talk about a creative project where we're like, oh, this is a short story, this is a short film, this is a long form film. this is a episodic mm-hmm. thing, this is sketch, oh. this is whatever like in every situation we finish those conversations and I listen to the episode and I always think, is it you know like so we decide something is a certain way mm-hmm. and we say, okay well, it's going to be a you know I remember thinking distinctly the vampire thing was a short film and then I thought, it could be a short story and then as soon as I wrote the short story I'm like no this is a short film but I'm glad I wrote the short story yeah. you know like it. it and that's yeah. how I find we're exceptionally flexible for instance we will kill anybody for anything <laughs> good <laughs> that's good you don't you don't uh, have any bias in that no we we don't care so I, I sort of think that like uh, it is one of the advantages to the, the the number of conversations we've had and the variety of conversations we've had in terms of the the product that we've you know, at various times come up with where we're not so invested that we're inflexible. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that must be that must be a good thing.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I've come up with story ideas and have been pretty set on it being released in a particular medium. Right. Right. And then one day I was like, well, what if it wasn't a television series and what if it was a board game? Yep, yep. And yep. then it just breathes new life into the story or into the world or concept because I'm thinking about it in different parameters. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. That level of, of flexibility. Because if, if what you care about is the concept, you can transport that anywhere. And I'm not saying that you, you should just come up with ideas and then pitch them to toy companies and, right, and right. TV shows. I'm just saying that uh, having that flexibility uh, means that you, you're open to change.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's probably an advantage to the length of time you spent doing that job and that you recognized, well, maybe this isn't just, you know, I don't I don't need to go any further with this conversation. Yeah. I will finish the meeting, mm-hmm. but I don't need to go any further with this conversation because I know that that is a sketch. It's a series mm-hmm. of sketches. It's not a show. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a clever idea doesn't mm-hmm. make it a, a profitable marketing yeah. exercise, right?
2: Yeah. I think but that's really interesting. But it's always good to keep those in the back of your head. I've tried to keep everything that I've seen somewhere in the back of my head, and this is something for everyone out there who has ideas, don't throw anything away. Mm. <laughs> this whole world and lifetime that we've lived in is all very cyclical. So, you know, we're all chasing after what will be a hit, but anything that is a hit now has been a hit 20, 30 years ago right, in some form or fashion. So, you know, your vampire idea now may not, work because no one's really caring about vampires, but in five years it could. Right. So it's it's Hugh, there's there's hope for
1: you. Yeah. Oh, there's there's always been hope.
2: (laughs) There's been a lack of vampire stuff out now, so you may, you know, (laughs) want to think of
0: (laughs) Well I think that I think that's been a uh, sort of cornerstone of, of Can't Sell This is the fact that we've I mean, at least in our early episodes where we brought up these old ideas mm-hmm. just to talk about how we couldn't sell them and then over the course of the episode we jammed on them, them. and, and yeah, yeah and then Black Creek and the Vampire Story are both a testament to that because we are like yeah we should develop this we should do something with like this. Definitely. So, and there are so many more
2: vast ways to tell your story now.
0: Mm, yeah. Sure.
2: Whether it's podcasts, visual content, digital media, television. You're not a slave to any sort of system. So yeah, yeah.
1: It's just actually, a slave
2: to figuring out how to do it and get it to work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that, that one of the things that we most often fail to recognize is that ideas are not something that everybody has. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we should take for granted, you know? Like, I've the number of people that... I've we, We've talked about this. number of people that can take an idea that they hear and then work off of that but never come up with their own... Mm-hmm. Or just outnumber the people who actually have yep. ideas. I do truly appreciate the number of chats I've had with Stefan and, and when it comes to his creative thinking because it, it t- tends to it tends to really feed my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost every time come out of it going like I've got to make this happen. However I make it happen is, is what And
0: makes I feel me. the same and I think that that's a mm-hmm. uh, uh, a sign of a strong creative partnership right it always goes back to improv for me it's the the principle of yes and right right? that doesn't mean you just say yes and and then come up with some random bullshit because that doesn't make for anything stronger but if you have two people and one of them says hey i have an inception for an idea and then the other person says yes and this and then the other person says oh that's good and this right and you keep building and then by the end of an hour you're like wow we just Built something mm-hmm. out, of, out of out of one small kernel of an idea, and we were able to develop it into something that is far beyond where we started. Yeah, it's rare, I think, to find people that not only are creative, but also that you gel with.
1: Yeah, simpatico. Exactly,
0: it's a good word. I don't. I always
1: always think I'm saying it in the wrong t- context. Simpatico. But I believe. That's what we meant. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say collaborative as well. We're very collaborative.
0: Serendipitous. That's nope. not that word that's at all. Not a, yeah.
1: No, that's not the right word. No, simpatico is correct. <laughs> <laughs> John, is there, I see you looking at your notes. Is John, there something
2: else you'd like to bring up? Um, never make a show because you want your children to be interested in the same things that you are. God, there's got to be a story this this, in there. this This is a little specific Oh, <laughs> oh. oh, But I, not No, I want to hear this, this is good So I'll do the specific and I'll tell you how it's not specific Okay uh, I was uh, taking a pitch with a writer-director and his whole idea was uh, an animated show about five kids who solve mysteries Okay, we've seen this all before but how are you going to make it different and he said, well the thing is, is that they're out of school, and, and they solve the mysteries that pertain within the school, but their secret headquarters is under the eighth hole of this golf course. And I went, well, that's kind of random if they're solving mysteries at the school, but their headquarters are underneath this golf course. What does that have to do with it? He said, well, my son, I want my son to play golf more with me. And if I made a show that was set at a golf course, perhaps he would be interested in it. Wow. And then we can get the golf companies involved and start selling golf things. And like, and I don't think a show has been done about golf for kids. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is when you put the polite face on and say, you know, well, this is interesting. I'm not sure it's what we need. Blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but it got me thinking. I've never had to be so specific as that, where it's like, you know, if your child's not like, I have heard from so many executives who make television and put on television and put it in front of their kids, and their kids are like, this sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, but other kids may like it. So never, A, use your kids as a test audience because, you know, sometimes it's an obligation they need to watch mom show that she's created. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It may not be the things. But if they're not into the things that you are, don't try and spend money (laughs) to create something because you want your son to be more interested in it. And that that was the pitch that I sort of sat down with and I was like, I don't know where to go with this. Um, Aside from that, Five Kids Solving Mysteries has been done to death, so I needed more than
1: that. Or just well, like I mean, books. even two kids solving mysteries, or one yeah. child solving mysteries. Yeah. There's been a lot of mysteries yeah. being solved by children. But four yeah. has never been done before. <laughs> four and a dog. <laughs> Hold on a second. Is that five? That sounds like a hit.
0: <laughs> Does the dog talk? Not well. Not really. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like the uh, the uh, razors and the additional blade syndrome. So yeah, yeah. We've done five kids-solving mysteries, but we've never done I'm six. Fair. We've done six kids-solving mysteries, but what about seven well, kids? Well, what does oh. six one do? Um, <laughs> one Which guy t-
1: just gets coffee.
0: <laughs> Eventually, it's just a show about a clubhouse with so many kids in it, there's just no room. That's called a school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to grassy.
2: Um The other thing is never assume people know who you are. This
0: is, again, more of a Well, wait, hold story. on. What? You said you were going to give us the specific and oh. then say how it wasn't specific. I'm really curious. Sorry. Wow, you know how to it's, tie it It's just, it back, it's just
2: more, it's more when you're coming up with your idea... It's one I think i more from a, from parents who are in this industry who have kids. So I'm in the industry and I don't have kids, which I know people think is kind of weird. You work in kid's television, but you don't have kids. How can you relate? And I said, I remember what I was like with the kids. And nine times out of ten, we really do the same things, just we have better technology now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I was a kid and had all the things that kids have today, I would be using them and yeah. probably in the same way. So um, they, uh, they tend to look at what their kids are into and then – Try to create something based on that, and it does never seems to sort of gel. Rather than having it come naturally, it's one thing if your kids are running around playing at being at pirates and you listen to the story that they're creating and think that's an interesting story and that's what I'm going to build out of. It's another thing to sort of be like, my kids like Fortnite. I need to make something like Fortnite.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and yeah. it's just
2: like that's and that's kind of where this sort of non-specific gel sort of comes to be in. And then that goes for everyone. I mean, the amount of times when at to we're like, this is the next SpongeBob, how many times we went back and said, we already have SpongeBob. Right. right. We want something different. different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: that's that. Th- yeah, that so. seems like it's like, beyond just this industry that, yeah. that goes everywhere where it's like the one popular thing. And then everyone tries to just recreate that, not understanding mm-hmm. that What made Lost special was that there was never a show like Lost before. So did all those, I can't even remember their names now, but there were so many Lost-like shows that came out in the seasons following Lost. Everyone was trying to make a show that was like Lost. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, nobody cares because we've got Lost.
2: Yeah. If we have already got this, why do I what what else do you bring to the table i mean you can have a, we've seen a dozen procedurals but the good ones are always the ones that have something different and right. that different could just be that these two cop the the two actors playing the two cops or whatever are wizards them, just well no they just gel <laughs> and they're wizards but they just gel together oh, on screen that phone. you can't help to watch <laughs> what? it what <laughs> what show is this wizard cops wizard cops wizard cops <laughs> <laughs> We should reboot Misfits of Science, because I believe uh, yes. that time has come.
1: Balthazar, <laughs> in my office now! <laughs> <laughs> you you're, you're right. Stop that. It smells like sulfur. It's gross.
2: I feel like you're giving away your best ideas. Someone <laughs> in the audience right now is frantically writing all this
1: <laughs> giving
0: away every idea we ever had. Yeah, that is literally that's, the, that's the, the basis the of this is. show. <laughs> We, we are going to find out in a year's time that someone's Wizard taken their Cops is
2: going to be on NBC Universe. His name is New Balthazar. Street, I shit you not, I'm
1: going to hunt <laughs> 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 Balthazar. In my office now. So yeah,
0: the police procedurals that seem to work is when the characters... It, yeah,
2: it, it, you know, it's when the characters gel and then you actually like them. Yeah. Like, I, I'm bored of medical hospital shows. Because they all are the same to me, and nothing really happens. But if I catch a glimpse of one, and there's an actor or an actress doing something remarkable, then I'm
0: mm-hmm. kind of hooked, and I want to mm. see what
2: that character goes. On
0: I won't name which movie this was, but um, we got a lot of opportunities to create digital marketing pieces for American films, and we got a script for like a big movie, and I Time read up. No. No. (laughs) So, more recent. I'm sorry, I threw you off. (laughs) (laughs) But. um, You got a script. We got a script, and I read it, and I was like, this is not really funny. Oh, it was supposed to be a comedy. It was like a a buddy cop thing. But I was like, it's not really funny, and I'm really confused as to what this is supposed to be.
1: Mm. And. Can we guess? Can we guess what the movie is? And can you nod or shake your head? Yes. Is it the other guys? Damn it, because so it's close. not really very funny. So close yeah. though. <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> the point is, when I saw
0: the trailer, I was like, I recognize all these scenes from the script. Oh, but they changed the lines. But to be it funny? looks no, but oh. it looks really good. And <laughs> and then when I saw the movie, it was good. It okay. was it was not great, but right. it was really good. And I realized part of it is acting. So the delivery of these lines made them better. Right. Part of it is directing. Because the way that the film was shot made it all make more sense. The script is not the movie, and it really is the perfect example of you need all the parts. Yeah. My writer friends right now are hating you. <laughs> Damn, I can't, I'm, I'm a terrible
1: one. I can't uh, yeah. mouth words very well because my Just mouth say is... that loud. I mean, I like can't. Cop was... out. Nope.
0: Damn it. Well, that was kind of though. Yeah, but I mean. So was, there's a, there's a Canadian connection? What? There's a Canadian connection. Oh, was it? It was it's, a Canadian. It's like Ryan Reynolds. Bone cop, bad cop. No, but it was it Ryan. Was he like?
2: Oh, did it come out like August or something? And then it ended up being doing really well. The was body, like bodyguards, bodyguard
1: hitman's uh, bodyguard.
0: God, it was uh, <laughs> the nice guys. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, I mean, either. Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. Oh, that was oh, a really good Shame movie. Back. That was a really yeah, good movie. I, I totally enjoyed yeah. that. the script was like, really. Oh that's cuz
1: you read it like that with your nose all scrunched up. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd read it with a smile on your face and and Ryan Gosling's you know face in your mind then it would have it would have changed everything.
2: I don't I don't think it did well though.
1: So you may have a leg
2: up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought it was great, though. I yeah, I did, too. I thought it was good. But it just reminded me that seeing something written on paper mm-hmm. is not the same as seeing the film, and it's one of the reasons why, when you say adapt a book for film, there really has to be a transformation of that content. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, To sure. work in film, right? Uh, and I mean, the, rereading it after having seen it, being like, oh, okay, now... This makes more did, sense. You need this vision, you need this delivery. From
2: script to when you saw it,
0: did you notice lots of revisions to the script from what you first read? I only read that one script. Yeah. And then saw the film and I would say, yeah, there were definitely some changes, but a lot of the was the same. And the the general uh flow of the film was the same. And like Mm -hmm. I said, felt very bizarre on paper, but when you see it shot, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Because a lot of the stuff that goes into a film isn't in the script. Right. Right.
1: Well that's very cool. That's very cool. And I like that movie, so. There you go. Um, I don't know what else we
2: haven't sort of covered. Covered. Um, You said,
0: uh, "Don't assume they know." Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh
2: wow, that was. I made a social faux pas recently, and my friend said the person's name, and I was like, "Oh hi, hello," and I was like, "Do you work with my friend?" And they were like, "No." And then my friend leaned over and said, "He he directed an Oscar nom- uh, Oscar winning short," and I went, "Oh, okay," because <laughs> I didn't know. And, yeah. And, and, and don't right. be offended either. And and you know he was a little miffed, um, I guess. Um, and I was, you know, I sort sort of tried to apologize, but how do you apologize for that? Because you just it's an honest didn't mistake. Know. But never assume that people, and it goes both ways. Never assume that the people in the room know who you are. And never assume that you know who. They think, you know, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because I've worked with people in the industry who, you know, I was shocked to find out a couple people don't own televisions. And this was before cable cutting. <laughs> like, they just, you know, didn't watch television. Right. And they worked in the industry. And I was like, but how, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> um, uh, and, and there are people who don't keep up on a lot of sort of pop culture, and they rely on people to sort of help them do that. But they have gifts right. themselves, and right, they know right. how things should uh, uh, work and go? So you huh. just have to sort of make sure that that um, you know never think that. Well, I'm Martin Scorsese. I've directed all this stuff. Someone in the room who's younger could not be not seen any of his films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, So it's 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 kind of that respect again. Respect sort of everyone, right. but right. Um, and to try not assume that your past credits are going to make an automatic green light for a pitch. Right. Um, and that's happened a couple of times where it's like someone dangles a name in front of you, or someone says, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, um, we've got so-and-so cast as a lead. Uh, and you're like, ooh, and then, you know, you you start thinking, well, that would be great. And then it b- sort of bombs on air. I mean, while yeah. the thing you paid less for. We've got Cuba really well.
1: Gooding Jr. <laughs> he's an Oscar winner, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've needs... seen some of the stuff he's done afterwards. It's... Someone needs to return an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my goodness sorry um, there are several of those
0: being humble like and not just acting humble but really understanding like yeah. great I won an award but
1: I and still gotta work necessary. for
0: every single pitch that's I think that's that's really important uh, and I think also goes a really long way when you get introduced to people yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: other than that it's just like everyone in the room is just treating Treat each other with respect and know that everyone's time is valuable, but don't just assume, make assumptions on things. I think that's the worst thing you can do because you make an ass out of you and me.
1: Oh, look at
0: that!
2: Wow, of you and umption. Because I wanted to, yeah, me and umption. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: and me, shun. <laughs> I didn't think that through. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know it. it it is an important point that, that everybody needs to be equal in, in during something like that, yeah. you know, is that from the person that walks in, they might be, you might think of them as like, well, they're the person who just brought me coffee, but they just might have been a nice person and brought coffee, but they happen to be the, the yeah. person who makes that decision at yep. the end of the day. Yep. You know, I run a networking event and I ran it last night. And somebody had said to me, "Wow, you're really welcoming. You're really kind. Everybody gets, you know, everybody gets time." And I was like, well, "Yeah, that's the point of the that's the point <laughs> of the event is everybody's supposed to get time." And they were like, "But you don't, you know, nobody's more important than anyone else." I'm like, "Well, no, but because we're all trying as hard as we can to to work, yeah. you know." I just love the idea of like everyone is we're at level playing field. Yeah, you know, that's great a great point of view. Hugh. Yeah. What's that networking event called? It's called... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I literally almost went cancel this. It's called fi- uh, First Next Step. First Next Step. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. And where, if I wanted to find out more about it, First, First Next
1: Step FirstNextStep.com. FirstNextStep.com? That's correct. I'm writing that down. Oh, you aren't, though. <laughs> <laughs> now he is. Oh, that's fine. He
0: was pretending to type earlier.
1: Yeah. I thought I had a laptop open. Oh. You didn't
2: notice that you didn't have a laptop at all? <laughs> Until you... And so you shamed me on it. Oh, wasn't intentional <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. It's okay. Oh, it's I okay. apologize. It's okay. But yeah, I mean, like, part of my consulting world now is I volunteer for an organization called uh, Taffy, which is the Toronto... Oh, I know
1: Taffy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. So it's the Toronto Animation Arts Festival International.
1: Mm-hmm. The
2: International is my flowing way of saying international. Oh, wow. Um and it's a great group of people. I mean, we're all volunteer. We all have our own jobs and careers and stuff, yet we put on these events throughout the year and we're coming up on our industry event. But planning that and getting the right people together has been, you know, and making sure that every everyone is treated well when you're there and that you're saying hi to everyone is, is really important Yeah. in terms of, of knowing who's coming in, whether it's a student who's coming there for the first time or an executive who's been there for a while.
1: So yeah. that's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And have you been involved with them for a while, or uh, about two years?
2: Oh yeah, a year and a bit. So rewarding? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's 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 very rewarding, and uh, the people who work on it and uh, are so wonderful, and they put so much time into it, and it's a small group. But we've branched a bit from. Uh, we used to have one weekend where we did like job fair with film festival with industry conference. Right. And minds were blown, and this year we've. Like spread the candy out. taffy,
1: yeah, I've spread Ugh. it out so
2: yeah, I can't take credit for that, sir.
1: Chair Ben, but um, good job, Ben, for candy and taffy, s- no, yeah, for, like, like spreading like... taffy. out. No, it's a joke, it's right. it um, funny <laughs> <laughs> he invented candy taffy.
2: <laughs> he might have, Holy I shit. don't know Ben's background good really, not. except for this, so there could be a taffy thing in his background. You
1: are incredible, my friend.
2: Um, so th- we do a massive job fair in April and then we do, um an industry conference that's coming up this November that we're planning now, and then we have a film festival in February. So it's 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 nice to sort of, you know, and each one has different th- sort of things and involvement in that. But in terms of pitching, you know, we're out there doing a different type of pitching of, come, come see our event, come, you know, be on our panel to people who don't necessarily want to travel or don't know much about it. Um, come submit your films and help us sort of put on this event. So it's it, it's a different sort of way, but you're still using the same tools that I remember when people were pitching me projects to sort of get out there.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah, nice.
2: So that was my
1: plug for Taffy.
0: <laughs> which that will end up plug. in the show
1: notes. We'll put that in the show yeah. notes. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's that's about. Yeah, Good for now. That was a really good insightful episode. Thank you so much no for being a guest on our show, John. No problem. And Hugh? Thanks, buddy. Thank you for being Stan. a great friend. co-host. Thank you for being a friend. I don't know the words no, to this I, song. I, no,
1: I don't know the words either. Do you, John? Do you sing? No. Do you know the words? No. I, Something I, I sing terribly. No. Oh. I need, like,
2: auto-tune and then extra auto-tune.
1: I think we got more information in one hour than we had ex. I certainly hadn't expected this mm-hmm. much information. So thank you, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, really was a, a fount of knowledge. I was, I was not expecting to have quite so much dropped on me in an hour. I'm actually a little blown away. Uh, s- super, super grateful
0: that you, that you showed up today. No problem. Thank you, guys. It's been great. Mm-hmm. So I am Stefan Grammer. I've been one of your hosts. I'm Hugh Elliott, another host. I'm John Rainey,
1: a guest. Yay, and this has been Can't Sell This.
0: Can't Wizard Cops.
1: <laughs> Wizard Cops.
0: Balthazar. Balthazar, get in my office right now. <laughs> I want your badge.
1: This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan Grambart and Hugh Elliott. Intro voice by Jeff Wright intro music track is energy by not of from their 2015 album peak questions or comments can be sent to admin at can't sell any other information can be found at can't sell